Today's scripture that the Lord has selected for us is from Luke 15, 1 through 3, and then 11b through 32. All the tax collectors and sinners were gathering around Jesus to listen to him. The Pharisees and legal experts were grumbling, saying, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Jesus told them this parable. A certain man had two sons. The younger son said to his father, Father, give me my share of the inheritance. Then the father divided his estate between them. Soon afterwards, the younger son gathered everything together and took a trip to a land far away. There he wasted his wealth through extravagant living. When he had used up his resources, a severe food shortage arose in that country and he began to be in need. He hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country who sent him into his fields to feed pigs. He longed to eat his fill from what the pigs ate, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired hands have more than enough food, but I'm starving to death? I will get up and go to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I no longer deserve to be called your son. Take me on as one of your hired hands. So he got up and went to his father. While he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was moved with compassion. His father ran to him, hugged him, and kissed him. Then the father said, I'm sorry, then the son said, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you, but I no longer deserve to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quickly, bring out the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Fetch the fattened calf and slaughter it. We must celebrate with feasting, because the son of mine was dead and has come back to life. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. Now his older son was in the fields. Coming in from the field, he approached the house and heard music and dancing. He called one of the servants and asked what was going on. The servant replied, Your brother has arrived, and your father has slaughtered the fattened calf because he received his son back safe and sound. Then the older son was furious and didn't want to enter in, but his father came out and begged him. He answered his father, Look, I've served you all these years and never disobeyed your instruction, yet you've never given me so much as a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours returned, after gobbling up your estate on prostitutes, you slaughtered the fattened calf for him. Then his father said, Son, you are always with me, and everything I have is yours. But we, have, but we had to celebrate and be glad, because this brother of yours was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. The Gospel writer Luke lets us know right off the bat who in the audience that Jesus is talking to. Tax collectors and sinners have gathered around him to hear what he has to say. And we shouldn't be surprised. Jesus has been traveling toward Jerusalem and all along the way, he has welcomed those people, teaching them, befriending them, even daring to share meals with them. The Pharisees and legal experts are there also, clearly speaking in stage whispers, sure that Jesus will overhear their disapproval of his scandalous associations, relationships with those they deem unclean, unworthy of inclusion with God's chosen. So Jesus tells this strange story. 
probably not so much for the sinners, but instead for the religious leaders gathered there that day. You see, he challenges their thinking, their practices in this indirect way in hopes that maybe some of them will hear him and learn that they've gotten all things wrong. Their ways are not God's ways, and he has come to help them see and understand that. You know, one of the difficult things about preaching this passage is that most of us are already familiar with this story. Ho-hum, the story of the prodigal son. Heard it and know it. Is it really worth revisiting? Let's pray it is. Let's pray that God will give us ears to pick up on something new in all of this. Something we especially need to hear and understand. Reverend Amanda Renaud writes, The parable invites us to sit with the younger son in the messes of his own making. With the elder son in the bitterness and fear of being overlooked. And with the father as he leaves the comfort of his home to bring in all that is lost and all that feels forsaken. We are never only one of the characters. I mean, really, who among us has not squandered the love we've been given? Who among us has not felt the bitter sting of insecurity and fear? at being left out? Who among us has not chased after love hoping it will return? Perhaps we will recognize in ourselves the deep hope and hunger that someone, God, will leave the threshold to come find us when we are lost or will invite us into the party in the midst of our fear of being left out. I wonder if we can't find ourselves in the story about the prodigal. But what exactly does prodigal mean? I looked it up in the dictionary. One, spending money or resources freely and recklessly, wastefully extravagant. Two, having or giving something on a lavish scale. To be prodigal means to be recklessly wasteful or excessively generous, unsparing, exuberant, luxuriant, profuse. Sometimes we use it as a rather negative adjective, and other times it has a more positive connotation. Let's talk about this prodigal brother. A lot of families have at least one of those, right? He boldly ignores any semblance of proper behavior or decorum. He decides one day that he's ready to try life somewhere else. He's off to see if there's a better life for him out there. So he goes to his father, and he asks his father for his share of the inheritance. Now, as the younger son, his part won't be as large as that of the older brother, but he doesn't care. He wants what's coming to him, and he wants it now. For all intents and purposes, he basically says to his father, I wish you were dead. Now, I shouldn't have to wait. And he gets his money early, and he takes off. Now, he doesn't use his riches to make something better of himself. Instead, he recklessly wastes his money living with what he thought would be the good life. Only soon he finds out that he was wrong. In fact, he finds himself actually feeding pigs. The shame a good Jewish boy must have felt in that moment. You can't get much lower than that. 
He's fallen so far down, he's even considering eating the pig slop. He's broke. He's hungry. I suspect he wasn't just hungry for food. He was also hungry, I think, for the things he once had. A roof over his head, a place to belong, a father who cared for him, loved him. He had left it all behind. And for what? I wonder if there weren't people in the crowd that day who knew, know, that same feeling. They had followed a path of sin and errors and mistakes, had turned their backs on love and those who loved them, had actually hurt them deeply. And now they realize that like this younger brother, they are ready to go back, even to settle for a life less than what they once knew, but certainly better than the one they're living now. I also wonder how many of us have found ourselves in a similar situation at some point in our lives. How many of us have had to eat crow, admit defeat, confess our errors and mistakes and go back tail tucked between our legs. At least that's what we assume is happening here. But you know, it could be that this younger brother is a really good manipulator, especially where his father is concerned. And maybe he's not really repenting at all, but just desperate. We don't know if his prepared speech was sincere or perhaps a ploy, but he's going to use it. He probably won't be restored to full sonship, but at least you'll get three hots and a cot, right? This kid, what a prodigal, extravagantly wasteful, reckless with money. How can he even hope to be forgiven? When he wished his father dead, perhaps his father decided that his son was dead to me. And who could blame him? The son had embarrassed his dad. No. He had embarrassed the entire family by acting in this disgraceful way. This wasn't how things were done. What if the neighbors had heard about his working as a swine herd? What if stories of his party and escapades reached back to his hometown? Were they ready for him to come home a failure and possibly embarrass them all the more? Con or not, before he can reach the front step, his father is running toward, running toward this wayward son. His culture doesn't expect to see a grown, grown man running, but this father doesn't care about dignity. He lets love lead the way. The boy's father stops him before he can even tell his whole story, the speech he's rehearsed. He just wants his child back. And he restores him to the family, a robe, sandals, a ring on his finger, and a party with the best food he can provide. The prodigal father lavishes his younger son, not just with material things, but with celebration and acceptance and love. You see, he never stopped loving this child and never stopped looking for him to come home to him. You see, the father's love has nothing to do with the character of his child and everything to do with the character of the father. But we protest, that's ridiculous. Why would you waste your love on someone who hurts you that way? 
Why would you give your heart to one who embarrasses you? Why would you forgive one who messes up, who lets you down? And those seem to be the thoughts of who? The eldest son. We don't know if he ever went into the party. The story doesn't tell us. He becomes a joyless, resentful, self-pitying shell of a man. Nobody gave me a party. I worked like a slave. Why are we celebrating that loser come back? How can dad love a kid like that? Surely he loves him more than he loves me. And I've been here all along doing all the right things. Jesus here is speaking in stage whispers of his own. He wants the religious leaders gathered there that day to know that they share that older son's spirit. They believe the right things, say the right things, do the right things. They are the rule keepers. And this kind of behavior the father is exhibiting is scandalous. Reverend Joseph Grauman Jr. writes, Prodigal grace offends the pious. Prodigal grace offends the pious. Sometimes we are more like the older brother in the Pharisees and scribes than we like to admit. We simply cannot wrap our minds around a grace that extends to us no matter who we are. We can't understand love that will never stop loving us. We can't imagine that we don't have to earn God's love and mercy. We can't fathom a God who loves everyone. Even those people we hate. God welcomes, rejoices, and celebrates when a beloved child returns to God. No matter who you are or what you've done. Individually and as a congregation, we are called to do the same. It's not up to us to decide who earns or deserves God's mercy. We have an extravagant, generous, unsparing, exuberant, prodigal God from whom nothing, nothing can separate us. God will not leave us lost and lonely. With God, we are always, always loved. Thanks be to God. Amen.